everyone, it's Elizabeth. Life on Side B is a ministry of Posture Shift, a missiological ministry equipping churches to enhance LGBTQ inclusion and care. You can learn more about their work at PostureShift.com. We want to thank all of our patrons who keep the podcast going and growing through their continued giving. If you love this podcast, consider being a patron at patreon.com slash life on side B. And now on to the episode. All right. Well, hello, life on side B family. Thanks so much for joining us again today. We are moving through this season I'm so proud of our team. Uh, I'm here with Ashley today. It's Ashley and I. Hello, Hello, Ashley. How's the baby doing? Great. He's he's getting. I was telling my mom. I was like, he just looks so big. <laughs> like like. Well, it's like when yes, he is a large child, but it's like he looks so much older. I don't know. He's only like a year, almost a year and a half. And I'm like, I swear, he just looks like a little kid. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And today we are joined by Kiefer. Kiefer, how do you pronounce your last name? I should have asked this before we started recording. Is it You're Lucci? Good. Lucci, that's correct. Okay, yeah. Lucci. Okay, <laughs> awesome. Just wanted to make sure. So Kiefer Lucci's with us. It's so good to have you. Thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah. We are talking, today is one of our episodes that our, um, our patrons chose the topic um, we gave a list of different um, things. You know, the season we're talking about resilience. So whereas the last patron, like cho- episode that the patrons chose the topic of, the theme was authors, book authors. This one, we were trying to think of context in which side B people need to be resilient. And cross-cultural missions is the one that won. Um, Which I'm kind of surprised at, honestly. I don't really remember what the other two ones were, but I feel like it's such a small niche in our side B world, even though side B is already small in niche. Yeah. I mean, like, well, I'm I'm not surprised because I feel like we do have quite a few missionaries in our in our community. A handful, yeah. Yeah, at least enough. And I, I think some of those are our patrons. So I know at least s- one of them is. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to look up what the other topics we had were because it's so hard. We wanted to get to all of these. Like we obviously want to get to every single one of them, but then um, like, you know, you can only do so much mm-hmm. in one season. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's what uh, we're, that's what we're and, and that's where trying we're to really be on top of this season. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. And so it was the, the, cho- uh, the choices they had were, um, being LGBT in cross-cultural missions, um, when friends go side A, kind of like processing that, um, mm-hmm. life after divorce, which is a whole thing, and then raising kids as a queer person. So okay. all really good ep- like topics. Um, yeah. Which will probably come up in a later season. If yeah. Not. I mean, we're going to get to all of them, everyone. Don't worry. We're going to get to all of them. But we are really excited to talk with you, Kiefer, about yes. missions. Because Ashley and I Especially both me. have, yeah. <laughs> well, we've both lived overseas for mission, doing mission, working with mission organizations. Um, so this is going to be a good conversation, and we are going to have potentially have someone pop in a little bit later. You know, surprises all around, but um, we're going to go ahead and start the conversation. 
So Kiefer, just for anyone who doesn't know you, could you start by sharing with us, um, you know, how you identify, share maybe a little bit about yourself, where, where are you serving, what are you doing, um, and how you've gotten to where you're at in reconciling your sexuality, gender, faith. I know we could spend probably 40 minutes having you do that. Um, so, you know, um, as much in a nutshell as you would like to share. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll try and keep it as brief as possible. Um, I'm, so for me, the labels don't matter too much. Like, I'm not super concerned about, you know, like if someone's going to call me, like, call me gay or call me same-sex attracted or whatever, like it can go either way. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm choosing, I usually would use gay. <laughs> um, but if someone calls me same-sex attracted, I'm not offended or, you know, it, it's more for me, like I'm communicating an experience that I've had less than an identity mm-hmm. label. Um, and same-sex attracted sounds like a disease. So <laughs> I don't, I prefer not to use that. <laughs> Understandable. Um, um, and that's that's just been, I think that's partially because of my own background. Like I grew up in the church. I was always told, right. you know, um, Christians are not gay. And I heard same-sex attracted used by other people when I was like not out to anyone, you know, I was like, I guess I have same sex attraction I'm dealing with that's unresolved or something. And it felt to me like I had some incurable disease that could never go away. Mm -hmm. And so using the term gay at this point is a freedom thing for me of like, Hey, like I can actually say I've had this experience, but this experience isn't necessarily a disease that needs to be cured on this side of heaven. (laughs) You know, like it's fine. Exactly. Yeah. Um, And so for me, the journey was more about like being honest with myself first, because I had that whole experience of like, you can't be gay and a Christian. And I was like, well, I am a Christian. I do follow Jesus. And that is more important to me than my sexuality. So um, I guess I can't be gay. (laughs) And so I guess I'm not, Um, Mm -hmm. even though that was something I was experiencing and struggling with, just not admitting it to myself. and when I finally did admit it to myself, it was because I, I just had, I had my first hookup when I was 15 years old. So I just had a hookup with a guy. Um, and I was like, I guess I have to admit something's going on here. Um, yeah. And that was a whole, you know, like a whole journey for me of then trying to reconcile, okay, I'm actually getting uh, pretty inundated into pornography. Like things are going really badly with porn and things are going pretty badly with um, hookup culture but I really do love Jesus and I really do want to follow him. And I'm having trouble reconciling these two sides of myself, the side that's really addicted to this, <laughs> to the sexual side of this, um, and really still unwilling to be comfortable with myself and the side that really does love Jesus and want to follow him. And I don't know um, how to move forward. Um, and so for, for me, that culminated with uh, a trip to an HIV clinic. Um, I really thought I had contracted HIV after an encounter. Um, and uh thankfully had not but that to me was like the point where i was like i need help like i had to go to count i went to counseling i came 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 forward to um, three different leaders who i was working for um, who were all christians uh, i was a, i was an assistant youth pastor at the time uh also working doing ministry through through theater discipleship through theater um and in a writing program for uh young writers and all three of those leaders were just like Hey, like, this isn't a big deal. You came to us. Like, we're not actually upset with you. Like Jesus loves you. (laughs) Like, let's help you through the addiction side of this, but we're not, no one's going to fire you. No one's going to be, there's no, no issue here. And I was able to keep all three jobs. Um, Mm. 
Uh, and that's so, awesome. Yeah, like that's absolutely incredible. I have been incredibly lucky in my interactions with the church, <laughs> yeah. for the most part. Um, very, very blessed and fortunate. Um, yeah, so I went forward to them and like uh, seven of my peers. Like I chose people from different categories of like of my life. Like I didn't want to leave any area of my life without someone who knew what was going on. Um, when I went forward to those seven, seven other friends, um, who all were really supportive. Like I didn't actually have any bad blowback from those seven friends. One of those seven people I went forward to was actually, is actually the person who's now my wife. <laughs> so um, I am married, I have two, two kids. My wife is the only woman I've ever been attracted to. So I definitely don't use bisexual. Um, okay. I still use gay. It's just, it's, 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 it's like the majority of my experience has been being attracted to men, minus this one person. Yeah, and I don't feel like it makes sense otherwise. I mean, I get it. I normally say that I'm a Kinsey five point nine nine eight because Gal Gadot, Wonder Woman, is the only one. She's the only one. Amen. Fantastic. Cool. Yes. Like Ashley's oh. looking at me like, oh god. <laughs> that is awesome. So I mentioned at the beginning that like labels aren't as important to me. Like I, I will use mm -hmm. same sex attracted. It depends on who I'm communicating to. Um, yeah. And right. honestly, if I'm making same. a decision, I'm more like, if I'm going to offend someone, I'm going to offend a Christian <laughs> over offending someone who's not. And so if, if I'm in a conversation with Christians and also non-believers, I'm just going to use gay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's going to have to just be, you know, okay with yeah. the Christian people there. Um, that said, missionary has been a much more dangerous label for me um than gay ever has as far as an identity thing <laughs> like that took me some time to work through whereas for me it was not like ever a part of me that was like this is going to override my relationship with jesus to say mm -hmm. i'm gay it was just like okay like this describes my experience really well mm -hmm. yeah but missionary <laughs> i had to do a lot of work <laughs> to be like yeah. oh this isn't you know like my my walk with jesus is now defined by missionary and that's not mm -hmm. healthy like not That's allowing not okay. that to just like encompass your whole entire faith walk. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like I had, I had a period of time where I was on the States for six, when I got married, I had to be in the States for six months um, on home assignment as part of an org, uh, the previous organization we were part of, that was their rule. And um, I recall at one point just being like, I'm a missionary in the Czech Republic, but I'm not there. And this is horrible and this is hard. And I don't really know what to do with this, you know, uh, and the Lord just really speaking clearly to me in a, in a conversation I was having with someone and just being like, you're a missionary wherever I send you. Like missionary just means sent out one. Mm -hmm. You've been sent out. You're here right now. <laughs> Your job is the same as any other Christian. And that's just follow me. And so it's not special to be a missionary. Wow. Like <laughs> just follow me. Normally you're overseas, but right now you're here. That's fine. You know, um, and so putting like the work behind and the baggage behind and just being like, I don't have to meet a quota. I don't have to do all these things. Like I'm not defined by this, like my work, like by, by my work or by my, by how I'm following Jesus. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. No. And yeah. I love that because, and I think that's so important because, you know, kind of when we get into these identity conversations, it'll be like, you know, your, your identity is in Christ, you know, all that kind of stuff that people point to us, but then we make allowances and we, we don't make a big deal when how many times we can envelop our identity in missionary or pastor or whatever it might be. Ministry or even positions. little things. Yeah, yeah. No. yeah. 
I, I even had a moment where I realized my identity had become too much a coffee drinker or a coffee person, like where I cared so much about like really, really good coffee um, that when when I felt like God was saying, stop drinking so much coffee, it's actually affecting your health. I was like, I don't want to. <laughs> and um, that moment was like, oh, even when God is the one pointing out to me, this is probably not healthy for me personally, like I still... I'm really resistant to that. That's probably an identity issue. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. As a barista, I feel very called out right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also currently working as a barista at a youth club. And yeah, no, it's it's horrible because I'm working there like two or three days a week. And I'm like, I can drink coffee once a week right now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I get to serve it all day, but not drink it. <laughs> and I'd love to take this moment to say hi, Jesse. Thanks for joining us. Hello, so glad Josh. to be so glad you're here for everyone. You know, normally we always try to have guests, everyone together from the beginning of the episode. Um, I did a little bit of miss like telling people the wrong times. So um, thanks so much for still joining us, Jesse. We appreciate you jo- hopping in and joining us for this conversation. Um, <laughs> yeah. Those dang time zones. Um, just the worst. Yeah, this is going to be a great conversation. Before I keep going, Kiefer, was there anything else you wanted to share about your like journey or anything there? I just didn't want to cut in with that. No, I think that's a good summary without going into too many into details. Too much. Yeah, no. <laughs> right. <laughs> I appreciate you giving that because that's so good. Like, What I really love about this conversation that we're having here is, you know, Ashley and I we're in like missions. I mean, Ashley, you're still planning to go back overseas. So yes, actually me and my husband were talking about that. It's like, we're, we're aiming nice. for before the child starts kindergarten, be out of here. Yes. So we've both been oh, like in mis- overseas missions. She's planning to go back. That part of my life is done. Kiefer, you're still in it. And Jesse, you're planning to go into it. So we have like everyone nice. from different every air, stage. Every stage. Mm-hmm. And I love that because I think it just shows people in all this different stuff. So before we get into more of this conversation, Jesse, could you introduce yourself a little bit? How do you identify? Like where where you're at, you know, like those kinds of things. Hello, everybody. My name is Jesse White. Um I currently identify as queer, um, and I've been processing uh, gender dysphoria recently, um, playing around potentially uh, in certain spaces using non-binary as well. Um, And my process of uh, getting to where I am now of reconciling faith and sexuality um, started when I was very young. Um, so my faith journey began when I was six. That's when I started following Jesus. Um, a lot of that came out of, um, my parents who have very strong faith and, um, faith lineage on both sides from my grandparents as well. Um, just being very intentional about, um, speaking the truth of scripture to me and my siblings from a very young age and um, making sure that we we had a good understanding of it um, not just with their words but also with how they lived out their lives Um, and i remember when i was six making a profession of faith and um, i didn't have a full understanding of what that meant for me at that point but i knew that 
I didn't want anything else besides following Jesus. Um, and so fast forward to when I was 12, um, there's a lot of things that happened during my 12th year of life. Um, one of those things was processing um, my sexuality of being attracted to men and um, also dealing with some gender dysphoria that I pushed away until very recently. Um, <clears throat> that was a really hard year for me. I didn't know what to do with all that. Um, during that same year, my dad was also on a deployment overseas to Afghanistan. And so I basically took on the mindset of, I'm a Christian, Christians don't deal with these things. And so this must not be something that is going to last. And so I just chose to shove it down and ignore it. Um, there was a lot of stuff connected with uh, being a military kid, being the oldest child, growing up in the church, um, being a pastor's kid, um, just kind of all, all played into that process for me. And so I just basically shoved all of my stuff down so that I wouldn't have to deal with it. Um, I also was in a space where I didn't have anyone I could go to with a lot of these questions and feelings I was experiencing. And so um, I just tried to deal with it on my own. Um, basically, for the rest of my teen years, getting up into college, I felt like I was stuck on an island in the middle of a hurricane. There was a lot of turmoil happening in my personal life and my family's life. And I really didn't have anything to keep me grounded except for my faith. That was the only thing I knew for certain is that I was a follower of Jesus and that I was saved, um, but I didn't have anything else to go off of. Um, when I got to college, I was pretty, I was at a point where I was fed up with feeling controlled by my fears of, um, of what was happening internally for me. Um, I was I was so terrified of these feelings I was having, um, these thoughts I was experiencing. Um, I was constantly on edge. Um, and so finally I got to a point where I got to college and realized this isn't going away. So I need to do something about it because doing anything at this point is better than not. Um, and I spent the next uh, two, two to three years, um, from 2016 to 2019, um, really intentionally working through a lot of questions of faith and sexuality with some really, really good, good friends and community that the Lord placed in my life. Um, I definitely would not have been able to get to the point that I'm at now if it weren't for those friends and community, including some really influential side B people that I encountered very early on in that journey. Um, that was really crucial in getting me to the point where I'm at now. Um, and uh, currently, I feel a really strong desire to, um, while I'm still in the States, uh, do ministry specifically oriented to um, queer individuals in the church, and then also outreach to the LGBTQ community in my local area of Raleigh. And where would what would you say if you'd be willing to share like what could you share with us a little bit about what your plans are with missions wise like what are you thinking of yeah. going into or those things 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, so since I was eight, I felt a very strong calling to go to Southeast Asia. Um, that has been one of the few things that has never changed um, over my almost, over that almost 20 year time span. Um, so it was initially focused on China. Um, as I was getting into my undergraduate and starting to kind of flesh that out a little bit more, um, I slowly felt the Lord opening my heart to just the whole of, of East Asia. Um, I am fascinated with the, the culture, the language. I love the food, like Asian cuisine is my favorite. Um, love the people too. Like some of my favorite people I interact with on a regular basis are my friends from any part of Asia. Um, and then I think on the spiritual side of things, I've always been really intrigued at like the different like religions there. Um, and then also I've been very burdened, especially with the, um, the persecution that happens in a, a lot of Southern Southeast Asian contexts. Um, so more recently that has shifted from China to being more focused on either Thailand or Cambodia. Mm. Um, that's where my organization that I'm working with right now has been kind of like shifting my focus a little bit more. Um, but not really sure that's still a ways out yeah. um, for me personally. So that's, I still got a good like, five to seven years before I'm probably getting to that point of actually going. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's really exciting. And um, Ashley, I hadn't even told you, <laughs> I didn't think I told you this before. I'd also told Jesse, as we kind of get into this conversation, I had told Jesse, hey, if you have any questions as someone going into missions that you have for people going into missions, feel free to share them. So as we go on, Jesse, if mm -hmm. there's things as we talk that relate to something that you're interested in and all of this, please share that as someone who's kind of going into it. But um, Definitely. Yeah, I guess the first point that I'd just love for us all to talk about um, is how do you feel the organization or organizations um, you have worked with have handled supporting you as a missionary who is LGBT um, and side B? Like what has been everyone's experiences with that? Hmm. Kiefer, would you be up for starting? Sure. Um, so I've been part of two different missions organizations. Uh, we switched from the first one post-marriage because we just needed better like pastoral care support. Um, we actually were, the, the organization we switched to is what we'll talk about. It makes more sense to talk about. Yeah. Um, and it's called All Nations um, out of Kansas City. Okay. And we switched to them partially because we were already doing what they were doing. <laughs> and I've heard them speak at several uh, conferences. And um, they were actually, one of their speakers is one of the people who said, uh, who, who spoke, he, she spoke at a conference uh, that I was at when I was a youth pastor. And she was the one who made me think, wow, if missions were like this, I could actually be a missionary. And I'd always wanted to, but never thought it was accessible for me. <laughs> so um, it made sense to be there. Yeah. Um, when we joined up, because we were in a unique position of, we just gotten married, I had actually just started using the word gay to describe myself after marriage. Um, <laughs> until then, I was just unsure. I was still trying to figure things out. Um, I remember post-marriage going to my wife one day and being like, if I start calling myself gay, 
would that be a problem for you? And she's like, would it change anything? <laughs> uh, and she's like, no, that's fine. I don't really care. <laughs> like, whatever's fine. Um, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, she's honestly, like, biggest supporter and, yeah, amazing. So that's, oh, I just want to say props to her. And I love that because a lot of times, a lot of marriages that I hear where it's the, the husband is uh gay it really is a really big problem for the wife and i've 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 heard a lot of terrible stories not as a discouragement i'm just saying just huge props to your wife to be very to be so supportive in that and something that i know that for a lot of women is very scary yeah yeah it i think one of the things that helped in her case was just like we'd already like talked through everything ahead like i I said before she was one of the seven people i actually came out to um immediately Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, she had already been referring to me as gay in her head <laughs> before. <laughs> so for her, it was like, eh. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, yeah, no. It's, so when we joined All Nations, I had just come to the point where I was like, this is a word. I don't know where I'm going to be with this. I'm kind of testing this out, using this about myself. So far, I feel much more comfortable. I feel much more free not using same-sex attracted. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I want to talk to the leadership in all nations and I want to make sure before I join them that they are okay. If I end up making this the word I use, if they end up making this be, if I, if I, if, cause I, we, we'd both talked about my wife and I, how at some point I was going to be doing ministry with LGBT people specifically. Like that was actually, I wanted to share my story. My wife wanted me to share my story before we got married. She said, I would never, I will never be ashamed of you for what, like your sexuality, where you've been, but I will be ashamed of you if you don't share your story someday <laughs> because that is your testimony. That is your walk with Jesus mm-hmm. and people hey, should hear yeah. it. Um, Props. So, I already yeah. love your wife. I've never met her. <laughs> okay. um, she, yeah, she's always been a couple steps ahead of where I'm comfortable going in that regard, um, which is great. Um, and so I had, when I joined all nations, I didn't think I'd be sharing anything publicly you know, I was like, maybe, you know, like we're going to have kids at some point. We're just married. Maybe in 10 years, you know, we'll share something. <laughs> um, and it was like two years later. Uh, but so I went to the leaders and I contacted my direct boss and like my direct leaders and then the leader of the organization as a whole. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I want to make sure well, I, had a, I had a Skype call with, or a Zoom call, I guess, with each of them. I was just like, I want to make sure, you know, we're good. Like I, I used the, I used what, what at the time I was like, this is the worst possible language I could use. I want to use whatever the thing that could be the farthest I'd probably describe myself is. So I was like, I am a gay Christian. Mm-hmm. I consider myself a gay Christian. I'm, um, I am married, but I'm like, there's definitely no, like right now, like I still consider myself gay, you know, that that's not probably going to change. Uh, I want to make sure you guys are on board with this before I join up because I don't want this to be a problem <laughs> down that the road. It's terrifying if I'm being completely honest. It absolutely was because I did not know these people that well. <laughs> um, and um, I really liked this organization and really wanted to join them. Um, right. We, we were already part of the process and everything. So uh, they looked at me, both of them in separate conversations and they were like, we are so happy you told us this. We are so glad you're part of all nations. And we're so glad you're gay. And I was just like, okay, like that is incredible <laughs> and not what I expected. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> uh, the only question I got asked was, do you have a support structure for yourself? 
Um, or do you want us to help you find a support structure? Because we'll help you find one if you don't have one. And I had one. So, you know, that was, it's like, no, I have people I can be accountable to who can check up on me. Like, that's important to me. Um, and later on, like two years later, when I wanted to come out publicly, I actually emailed my boss first and was like, okay, I feel like God's leading me to this now. Can I do this? Because I think he, I, I want to work. I've already been, uh, we have a group in Europe called Epic that works with Side B guys. Yeah. Um, awesome. It's actually transitioning into a leadership group now. So like oh, cool. uh, guys who want to lead in the church by sharing their stories and yeah. um, getting involved in churches. And Is it a specifically men's group? I've heard of Epic, but. It historically has been specifically men. Um, we are actually probably opening to women also who are side B and Y and want to lead because yeah. we can now that it's leadership based and mm -hmm. not support based. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. Yeah, like when I told, I told the men, I've already been leading this for a year, you know, just like quietly, because it's not something that's been, you know, I've been out about, but I want to be out about it. And their response was, great, um, say what you want to say. We know there could be blowback. We're willing to accept whatever blowback happens because you're valuable to us. Mm -hmm. And we don't care if we lose donors. Mm -hmm. We don't care if we lose support. We don't care if it hurts us. We want you to be as open as you feel the Lord is calling you to be. Yeah. Um, so that was incredible. <laughs> and I, I, I personally did not lose any supporters over that issue. Um, I actually gained two supporters over that issue, which was Dang. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I had a really, really positive experience. And I know that's not always. Yeah, I'm the loving this for you. <laughs> it's, like, it's also inspiring because like, you know. Yeah. yeah. I, go ahead, Ashley. Oh, I... No, I'm just saying I'm like that. Yeah. Love to hear that. It is inspiring. Gives hope. Because, yeah, I mean, like, obviously we have to hear the reality of what happens to some people in organizations and it's it's grueling. But then it's also good to hear, hey, that's not all of the occasions. That's not always what happens. And there's definitely been some negative stuff. Like when I first came to, you know, like there have been people I've opened up to who have had the reaction more of like, oh, well, then definitely don't talk to my kids anymore, you know? Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Just, you know, you know, awful reactions. But yeah, in this case, it was amazing. Mm -hmm. So I'm, yeah, I'm really impressed with all great. nations. And I love that. Um, yeah. Um, Ashley, have you, what, what's been your, have you, did you open up with your organization? I can't remember. Um, yes. Um, I remember like I worked with, uh, youth of the mission. I know they mentioned that before in South America for years in two different countries. Um, so in the first one was, I was, I was kind of like Kiefer said, he started using gay, like right after he got married, I was like in the whole like process of figuring myself out in the time of my engagement and getting married. Mm. And it just kind of confirms a few things for you. <laughs> um, and, uh, so I remember just finally coming to that realization in itself, like the, the, the denial I couldn't, I couldn't do that anymore. It just finally came to this, just this point of like having to recognize it to an extent. And so I remember with the leader I was working with then, I, I, I said, I, you know, used to be same sex attracted or whatever. Cause like, that was the way that I, I felt at that point, you know, that was something from like when I was younger and, and this, that, and the other thing. And it was just, it was just the part of the process I guess I had to go through. And I told her like my director and I was like, you know, kind of like, going like confess or something and I was like I don't and I didn't know what she was going to say and I felt like I was like do you still trust me like I think that was always like my big question and she's like well of course she's like because that's the way she, you know she said she's like that's not 
who you are now. She's like, I, I know you right now in the place that you are and the person that I've gotten to know is a trustworthy person. So she's like, I've got no problem, whatever you think, nice. like, you know, whatever your past may be. She's like, it doesn't really matter to me. And that's also, it's like one, it's in part on how I, how I personally presented it. But for me, that was, that was a good thing yeah. for me. When we moved mm-hmm. after we got married, we went to a different country um, to do our school of biblical studies and I remember I was there for a little while and I was like, I feel like I need to share this, you know, with whoever usually is my like, uh, personal, like mentor at that, in that place or whatever. I usually want to share that. Um, and I think it was, and at that point, a few years had gone by, like, um, ah, no, it had been like maybe a year. <laughs> um, so oh, how time flies, like a little over a year, probably. <laughs> And I was the same thing. I was like, I used to be attracted to women, this, that, and the other thing. And as like time went on in that place, I was like, I'm really having to come to terms with like, this is just part of, and that time I think I put it part of my past and they kind of like kept a close eye on me and shit like that. That was not the most fun. Mm -hmm. Um, But that was the place where I did a lot of the soul searching that I did with the tools of learning how to study the Bible and things where I was, but those people loved me where I was, even though they didn't know how to do that necessarily. Well, they did the best with what they had. And we had a, like what you would call like a resident ex gay. He was someone who had, he was part of the organization. He taught a lot of the material in our base. So that's all they had. Like they didn't have anything else. And so I read a lot of those books. That was my experience with that really. And I was just coming to be what I consider side B like within a year of having left. Like the year I was in the process of coming back to the States was like the year that I was like, maybe this ex gay thing isn't it. And really finding side B and accepting that for myself. So that was a whole process. Um, the little bit that I did share. Yeah. Wow. I, I wish I, I just would love to work for a missions organization and just be known as the resident gay. Oh, he wasn't. Oh, I know. It was very much. You said it was ex gay. Of course I don't want to be known as that. I just want to be known as, I think of like Rachel Gilson for crew. That's just right. Yeah. I don't think that's her title, but. I just I'm pretty sure that's how people like think of her. Yeah, most definitely. Rachel, we love you. But like I remember he was he was a hairdresser, like and I remember and everybody was like, the hands and I was like me just at the time, I was like, You just can't judge people like that. I'm like, I don't know. And at that point we I didn't know a lot of his, his story, so I was like, You can't say that about people And then it's like all this other stuff, it's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And he was Colombian. Mm, yeah mm-hmm. that makes sense yeah uh, jesse have you shared with your organization like in short like what has been yeah. your experience yeah so um that has been a not as great process on the front end at least right so um for those of you who don't know um I live deep in the Southern Baptist territory. Bless you. Um, I think I live deeper than you, man. Don't worry. I don't know. I I go to Southern Baptist Seminary, so you can't get much deeper than that. I'm not saying that. Just definitely very in the southern part of the United States. Oh yes, 
yes. There's there's a lot of crossover. Um, <laughs> so I I attended Southern Baptist Seminary. It has been great overall. That's good. Um, but I knew I knew within my first year I did not want to go to the IMB, the International Mission Board. Mm. Um, and that wasn't even related to side B stuff or like any of that. It was exclusively because I saw from some very good friends of mine if you didn't fit into their very box. specific box that they want, then they would make it really difficult for you to go. Yeah. Um, if not impossible for you to go. Later on, um, one of my best friends, she actually just came back to the States from Uganda. Um, she has experienced a lot of spiritual abuse from team leader, um, a good friend of mine who was uh, at the time side B and serving with the IMB in Italy. Um, he actually got kicked out of his position. Um, honestly, like in my opinion, for some illegitimate reasons and they, they did not do a good job of handling that situation at all. Yeah. Um, it was it was very poorly handled. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, pretty uh, abusive and manipulative from my perspective as well. Um, so I knew pretty much right away. I was like, I'm not going to go with IMB, but I didn't know of any other organizations at the time. So I was right. like, God, if this is what you want me to do, like I need you to show me something else. Um, one of my missions classes uh, talked about a lot of different organizations. Um, two that stuck out to me were OMF, which is my organization, Overseas Missionary Fellowship, and Crossworld. Um, I contacted both of them, had really good conversations with both initially, um, but OMF, uh, they, they have a, a greater focus in Southeast Asia, which is where I went to land, um, and with diaspora mm-hmm. around the world as well. So I, I went with them. Um, I was originally going to go on a uh, six-month mission trip for the final part of my degree, um, and that was supposed to happen in 2020. Um, obviously, that did not happen because 2020. Yeah. But leading up to that at the training conference, I actually shared with um, one of the guys who would have been kind of like in charge of my group that would have been going. Um, and... Um, and then he brought in a couple other people. We had a, a brief conversation, went very well overall. Um, honestly, one of the things that I've been most impressed with from my organization is um, with that knowledge, like they didn't make a big deal about it. Um, and the, a big thing that they talked about, similar to what you said, Kiefer, is they asked, do you have a good support system? Do you have people that you're in community with? Um, there was actually a period where I was going through like a really, a really rough time connected more directly to my sexuality um, that was brought forth via one of their other missionaries who is definitely ex-gay. Um, I was supposed to be working with him. He asked me some irrelevant, questions. And, yeah, irrelevant, uncomfortable questions that didn't really have anything to do with what I was wanting to do with him um, and like his ministry, but he was insistent on knowing all these like really personal things about me that for the most part didn't even apply. But as soon as he found the one thing that he was looking for that confirmed whatever he had thoughts about in regards to me being side B, he was like, that's it. He's out. You can't work with me. 
Um, and I was frustrated, but it did lead to like some good, like for me, personal conviction and confessing of sins yeah. that, um, that I was working through. Um, and, and when they, when I talked to my, uh, my leaders about it in the organization, which I expected them to react kind of similarly to the way that he did, um, they actually were very gracious and they were like, listen, we still want you to work with us. Like, obviously this is going to have impacts on your upcoming trip, but we still want you to, like, we still want to send you. We want to make sure that you are like seeking, um, like good community and seeking, um, to grow in your relationship with the Lord. Like, cause that was what mattered the most to them. They didn't really care about stuff related to my sexuality. They mm. cared about my connection to God. Cause that's, what's going to have a bigger impact mm-hmm. on the field. Yeah. Well, that's good. Um, yeah, that is really good. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And it's, it's been really nice after that point. Um, I've made several connections with um, some local missionaries in Cambodia, actually, and have had phenomenal conversations with one guy in particular um, who has been, like, very encouraging and supporting. He is He's all about, like, the ministry that I want to do because um, – Part of what I want to do is have better conversations in Southeast Asia around sexuality, yeah. which is going to be something. But he has been like very encouraging there, mm-hmm. um, and I think especially having that connection um, within the organization like that that'll be very helpful as I'm moving forward and getting closer to the point yeah. of going overseas. Well, and you know what I love about everyone's different experiences is like. One thing I love about what you're doing right now, Jesse, is being able to have these conversations like pre-departure in many ways. Because I feel like I run into Mm -hmm. a lot of queer missionaries who, um, like, when we're figuring this out on the field, like, that's why I'm so happy about, like, you for, like, your whole situation and how great that, like, was is approaching your 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 organization because I hear of so many times as people figure it out on the field or like opening up on the field it can go one of I mean all Ashley as well like all of this stuff like we all know (laughs) we all know how this all goes and so being able to do that beforehand and being able to say okay like this is where I'm going to go and Mm -hmm. and, like how am I going to do that because I think that there's a whole nother thing which we can get more into this about like when you are side B and queer the importance of community is really important and trying to figure out what yeah. that looks like. So then Absolutely. you have the whole aspect of like, what is my community going to look like? Like I'm, I'm very thankful in my organization that they knew about my sexuality going in just because of my history and my testimony. I didn't talk about it a lot at the beginning. As I went, I started talking about it more. The funny part is I got a lot of flack in my organization even if I used same-sex attracted, like if I mentioned that I still was attracted to men, people, pastors wanted me fired. Um, I'm very thankful that my board was very strongly in favor of me. So they were like, yeah, no, he's not. But um, if it hadn't been for them, I probably would have lost my job way early on. Um, Wow. Yeah, but uh, I I guess Mm. kind of shifting into this, especially with that whole part of what I was saying with, you know, when we're, when we're queer, when we're side B, um, whether married or single, the whole other aspect we have to navigate is the culture of the country you're in. 
mm-hmm. which is very different depending on context. I mean, Kiefer, where you are, yeah, yeah. Kiefer, you're in yeah. in Europe. Like Ashley and I were in Latin America. Jesse, you're planning to go to East Asia. Like, so all of these are very different. Um, would love to hear everyone's thoughts on navigating that. Both, I, I guess, like navigating. Kiefer, you said you do some mission, like ministry work in this area, like toward. Yeah. For LGBT people, which I know that's one thing, but then also how do you navigate it for your own experience being in the culture? Mm-hmm. So in some ways I'm fortunate being in Czech um, and that Czech is kind of considered among the um, Central Central and Eastern European countries, it's considered like the most open, yeah. basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so people from Slovakia, Hungary, um, probably not Austria, but Slovakia, Hungary, and Poland often come to Czech because they don't feel mm-hmm. as accepted where they are. Yeah. Um, mm. So as far as Czech goes, it's very like, like there's still within the church, there's a lot of ex-gay stuff yeah. um, still there. Like it, it was basically what happened was when ex-gay fails in America, it moved over here. <laughs> mm. And so if you go to Hungary, Slovakia, mm countries farther that are actually more east they have a lot of ex-gay stuff still um czech mm. because i think partially because uh this is um czech's considered right now the most atheistic country in the world uh, <laughs> so partially because of that because we have such a low percentage mm. of christians it's not as big of a deal but yeah. it's still you know a, a problem within the church um on the other side uh there are some people in this country i have a friend marak here um, and some other people who have just been really good pillars and forerunners of like, hey, like this is what it's like to live your life as um, a celibate gay Christian. <laughs> I love Marek. Um, I've not really gotten to interact with him in town, but I love him. He's really cool. He's great. He's he's fantastic. And so he's been around long enough that um, we've actually had some conversations recently. There are teenagers now because of Marek who are not feeling like they have to like come out and then find a safe community they're like Mm. i want to come out and then i want to find people in my church i can be safe with Mm. because they know it should be how Mm. the church works yeah um and that's incredible like that 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 witness being there in the culture um the issue that i have is with my own i'm i'm sometimes willing to go farther than some other people would in reaching people (laughs) that's always been something that i've known about myself with missions um like we we talk about in missions training like contextualization i'm willing to go pretty far on the contextualization scale like here's how far i can talk about like change what it like talk about jesus in a way that is highly contextualized to your culture i can go almost all the way to the far extreme on that (laughs) um i am I am living for this. Oh my god! <laughs> so working with LGBT people, I'm like, like I was actually my wife and I were shopping for rainbow uh, stuff yesterday, because um, I'm like I'm planning to go to Pride this year for the first time in Prague, because I'm like I actually need to meet people and talk to them, and yeah. that's not going to happen if I'm not where they are, and I know that they're going to all be together during Pride. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so I've been looking at things like I'm like I want a shirt that is like subtle you know, has, has a rainbow somewhere, but it's subtle that I could even like wear to church and have it not be a big deal. Um, because I want to start conversations at church. I want to have another shirt that is like, this is very obviously less subtle, like way less subtle, 
you know, like, and, and maybe like a pin or something, you know, like, like depending on the situation, I want to be able to start conversations. Mm-hmm. Get the outfits um, done now. It's two weeks away. Pride is coming up. Well, when we're recording it? this, it's okay. two yeah. weeks yeah. away. I, I can't remember, okay. remember when we're, anyway, continue. It doesn't happen until August in Prague. So I have oh, three okay. more months. Oh, yes. oh <laughs> that makes sense. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That's like yes. Atlanta. I think Atlanta also, like in Georgia. Mm-hmm. There's late. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, that to me, that's so I'm working with a church here. Um, we also plant house churches, but we work with a church. And uh, in the past, I've always been like, what is the balance, you know, of like, I don't want to needlessly offend people, mm-hmm. but I do want to start conversations. Yeah. But I also do want to reach out to the LGBT community in a way that is like um, totally going out there, totally trying to, <clears throat> to trying to meet people, making friends, you know, not. Just like, oh, yes, I am a good Christian, um, but also I'll talk to you. You know, I don't want that to be the approach, you know? Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. no, like, actually, I'm also, like, I'm a gay Christian. Like, I actually want to go talk to you mm-hmm. as one of you. <laughs> yeah. Um, you it know, reminds me, I don't know uh, if you know Kevin Brown, but we adore Kevin no. Brown. He's in New Zealand, and he'll just, like, have these get-ups of rainbow but then they're yeah, just like completely, completely. But then he has wow. a whole entire thing that he says whenever someone asks him about any of his rainbow <laughs> crosses or anything like that to make it a conversation starter. So just remind, obviously I don't imagine you being it completely covered in rainbow and glitter. Not that Kevin is either, <laughs> but still. Well, yeah, no, like his, his normal, I think like what he will consistently wear is his little, like he has like a rainbow cross and it's, it's like a subtle rainbow cross. Yes. Really, It's not really like, you know, stripes. His ichthys is a little more bold, but it's also smaller. He wears that normally, but okay. whenever he comes to the side B retreats, or oh, yeah. he comes to revoice, it's the socks, it's the shoe strings, it's everything. Nice. everything. Anyway, but then he'll give he'll he's sat down with me and showed me when someone asks, "Hey, why do you have this?" Then he has a whole thing he goes into about. Anyway, that is exactly what my plan is. Like we've been talking through, like if I get this shirt, I could start a conversation that goes this direction. If I have this shirt, you know, like this is Mm -hmm. like (laughs) that kind of a thing. But um, love it. Anyway, I, I do feel like the more conservative Christian culture. And trying to be trying to find the middle is the hard part for me of like, I still want to be right. yeah loving that culture, loving the church culture here, but I also want to love LGBT people well. Yeah. So I read something mm-hmm. recently that said that if you are unwilling to offend people, then you're not fit for ministry. But also mm-hmm. if you're eager to offend people, you're also not fit for ministry. Ooh, yes. yes. It's like finding That's that good. balance. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Because both. Yeah, Twitter's good for it. some things. <laughs> God show us. God show us. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I totally get that. Like, I went to, for instance, I, when I lived in Colombia, it was like a very mixed bag because you have Bogota, which is like, I mean, it, I think it's one of the largest gay communities in the world, technically. Mm-hmm. Wow. I, th- yeah, I think like we we actually plan on moving to Colombia as as well, like in a few yeah. years, and like. It's that's kind of like I've, I've been trying to get a feel for what it's like there. And it's like basically that's just when I get the like, it depends. It just depends because like, it's it's this weird thing of I've learned that Colombia has some is one is one of the countries with the most amount of laws protecting LGBT people in the world. But which is also recent. Re, yeah, it's within like the last five years. But then what makes yes. that interesting is the amount of 
crime against LGBT people shows that the like the enforcement of those laws is very low. So there's a high presence of laws, but they're not enforced very highly. Part of that's just because of how hard it is for the country to like, there's a lot of land. Like I think 80% of the population lives in about 30% of the land kind of thing. So um, there's a lot of areas where you can't really have that. So I lived in the coffee region, which was not necessarily bad, but I also like had to watch things. So it is also interesting with that, like I went to a pride event in Armenia and it was so small, <laughs> it was so small. It was the first one they'd ever done. Um, so I didn't get a lot of opportunities um, um, with that, but I, I always had to be very careful simply in my city in that. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Ashley, what what was your kind of experience with in Latin America? Um. Like I said, we were in a couple of places. I know that in uh, the first country we were in, which is also like coincidentally where my, my husband's from, yeah. we went. Um, it was in the time that I was kind of dealing with things. We had went home. We were visiting my in-laws and, you know, we were at his church or something. I was like, hey, where's, where's so-and-so? Because he, like, I wouldn't say we were, like, super close, but he was a friend of ours. Yeah. And it was someone that I always saw and that, you know, I enjoyed company. Like, oh, you guys don't know? And I'm like, no, what? And they were like, and I think it was the way they said it was like, se declaró. Uh, I was like, what you mean? Yeah. And which was like, he declared himself. And I was like, I don't, what do never you heard that term. I was like, and I think it, but I, for some reason knew what he meant, but just because of like the hush hush way he said it, I was like, he came out mm-hmm. and they're like kind of by accident, yeah. but yes. And it was like, oh, oh, okay. Which was like, it's like looking back, I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. But hmm. it, um, it was received not well and poor innocent dumb me i gave his mother a copy of one of nicolosi's books oh god forgive me but i was trying to give her hope to be like this is not your son is not lost on god you know which was like her whole thing she was very you know upset and distraught about it um Mm. It was always just kind of hush hush talked about yeah. in in a sense, and then like I said, the second country we were in, we had our you know our resident ex gay, and he was very wanting to reach the community in his own way, and I know he went to Col no not to Colombia I think Brazil okay, and he did some missions and he did a lot of his talks and he would get like you know he was on the radio and he would get like rioted out by the local gay community yeah. and yeah being not happy with his presence and mm-hmm. um. <clears throat> Which is another weird country. Brazil's another weird country where there's a high level of laws protecting LGBTQ people, but it's like one of the most dangerous countries to be queer. I don't know. Anyway, sorry. Brazil's very like, at the very least, because I mean, we also have like, Brazil has a very rising like little side B community online at the very least. Mm -hmm. You know, they're they're there, but it's, so they have a little more knowledge, I guess you would say, but it's still, the church is still very conservative about it. Yeah. And I feel feel like latin america in as a whole is 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 kind of like that they feel the church in and of itself feels pressured kind of like the same way they do here in the states they're like they're out to get us or whatever um in a way but almost pressured like this is this western thing that y'all trying to put on us and and our Mm -hmm. children and all this so it's not only just like the gays are out to get us it's like the westerns are trying to like brainwash us or something so that's a Mm -hmm. that's a whole other thing um Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was just very this hush-hush thing. It wasn't, I never felt that it was like necessarily that I was personally 
judged for it by the people who loved me and knew me. But it was also something we don't talk about publicly. Yeah. I feel like it's not something we're going to talk about. I feel like there's this general wave of what I hear and everyone, you can correct me if I'm wrong, like that. I mean, Latin America, I do think it, many times people think it is this oppressive, oppressive place for queer people when it's not necessarily. It just depends on where you go. It's actually yeah. there's actually a lot of acceptance of queer people in a lot of regions of Latin America. With Europe, I, it, like it's been interesting for me as I've met more people in Europe, both European queer people as well as you like missionaries, that there's actually much there is more of a culture than a lot of people would think of. I, and Kira, I don't know what word you would use, like of in different regions of Europe where it's either just hush hush or not talked about or would you would you say that that's correct? Yeah, I'd say either hush hush or like just extremes in the country. Like yeah. With, with Czech, it's like there is a certain demographic that it should be not talked about. Um, mm-hmm. There's a certain demographics with older people where they're just like, ah, no. And then, you know, like then there's also an incredibly accepting uh, yeah. Or, or, sorry, incredibly accepting um, side. Like mm-hmm. Czech is still one of the most open countries <laughs> on yeah. the side of Europe, at least. You know. Would you say um, that's a little? And it's kind of like mm-hmm. in Latin America. It's like the country itself can, sometimes can be, like you said, yeah. very accepting. Like I said, we have the examples of Brazil, Colombia, Argentina. Um, you know, they're in in general kind of very liberal countries to an extent. But at the same time, the churches in those places mm-hmm. are just very tend to be a little more closed-minded yeah. or at the very least ignorant in a, about a lot of these things. Mm-hmm. It's well, definitely I, getting better with the churches here, but yeah, <laughs> that's, cool. yeah, there's still a lot of... That's great. Yeah. yeah, and I feel like a lot of it, there's also an urban versus rural-like disconnect as well. Like as Yes. As well as, I think, a lot of what, um, at least in my experience with some different countries, a lot of what pushes the rights of LGBTQ people is actually UN initiatives, things that they want to be on the yes. global stage. So they have to have mm-hmm. these laws, even though the country is not, maybe not ready culturally for it. That's right. the whole thing that I was saying about them whole being like the Western world is trying to put their yep. ideology on us. Is that because of the whole UN push for things? Yeah. And so it gets hard because we queer people get caught in the middle of it because we're like, yay, we want these laws. And then, but I don't want to deal with the pushback from the people around. Mm. Um, Well, Kiefer, you also said that you're planning in the future to go to Asia. And obviously, Jesse, you're planning to go to Asia. What do you guys know about Mm. the context within that? Or like, Jesse, what have you planned for in that? I know you talked about that you've met and connected with some people over there, but kind of preparing to be in that context. Mm-hmm. Kiefer, do you want to start? No, you start, definitely. I think you've probably done more research than I have. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I have been like studying, researching, looking up on this for years and years at this point. Um, and it is, it's super interesting because like Asia as a whole has like a majority of the world's populace, mm-hmm. um, specifically within China and India, um, mm-hmm. that that encompasses like a third, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. I think it encompasses a third of the world's populace just in those two nations. Wow. Um, so it's like both are huge, uh, have, like have huge cities with like packed crowds of people. Um, but one of the big things in Asia, in particular, is there's not a ton of um, development 
when it comes to like technological and um, other, just other types of like uh, even like medical advancements like there there's a lot more um, I guess I guess when it comes to where a lot of Western nations are at they're much further behind mm-hmm. um, so that's that's one aspect another aspect for me that I've been having to think about more and more is outside of a select few countries in Asia a lot of the nations especially where I'm looking to go so like Thailand Vietnam Cambodia Laos because of all the wars that have happened um, in not so recent history or sorry in in recent history I yeah. don't know why I said it the way I no did. you're good but all the wars that have happened in recent history in those regions, have completely torn the country to shreds and have resulted in um, a lack of ability to um, to do any sort of those advancements. So um, there's there's several areas in in that region where the land is like unusable pretty much mm. because of all of the the bombs and wow. the gas and the toxins that are in the environment. Like it's it's unusable for a lot of people to live there. Um, it's also resulted in a lot of um, generational trauma because of the wars that have happened. A lot of resettlement from uh, places where people used to live and grow and have thriving communities, and now they can never go back. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's an aspect, too, where I've had to figure out, for me personally, especially if I'm going to be landing in that region of like Cambodia or Thailand, um, how important is this particular conversation going to be because like it's like it's something that should be talked about and needs to be talked about but also like a lot of these people are just trying to even survive and and not starve to death um and so the like in the grand scheme of things like this particular conversation is not always going to be a primary focus and probably doesn't need to be a primary focus depending on where i'm at Um, And again, that kind of gets into contextualization. If I'm in a bigger city um, or interacting with people from bigger cities, um, that may be something that comes up, but that's not always going to be a primary focus. Um, And then the, uh, I would say the biggest thing that I've been having a really hard time trying to figure out the way I'm going to engage it is like, it is hush hush to the extreme. Um, any anything because of how a lot of the cultural and worldview perspectives are within Asia, anything that would bring shame on your family, your community, um, maybe even your city, depending on your status level, um, you you don't talk about. You don't bring it up. You don't address it. Um, people may know that's going on, but it's not going to be addressed because once it's addressed, you have to actually do something yeah. about it, and that means your uh depending on what what it is um you are going to be seen as shameful and dirty and not worthy of being part of this community and then your community is going to do whatever they can to to snuff that out to kick you out to get you out of out of the way so that way they can preserve their honor their face um so it's it's really hard um to know how to engage conversations like this and even even with other stuff like mental health or abuse issues which are are also things i'm very passionate about like 
it's hard enough to have some of those conversations like in American churches. So having to like figure out how to do that in um, parts of Asia is going to be very tricky. Um, The one of the missionaries I was going to be working with, the one that asked me all the very uncomfortable questions, he's running or at the time, at least I don't know what's going on with him right now, but at the time he was running a, I guess it was a pseudo ex gay ministry in China. Um, and, and it was very, very like word of mouth, quiet, like didn't really get publicized in any way, partially because it was also a Christian thing. So there was that level of security, but, um, also because like, a lot of these people who were coming were trying to figure out like what to do about this because they didn't want their families finding out or their communities finding out and losing like jobs, ability to get homes, um, even even other like financial or just general yeah. living situations. Like it has much, much broader impacts on all aspects of life than I think it does in a lot yeah. of other parts of the world. Um, definitely and that that makes it really tricky like it's more walking on eggshells than i think people anticipate well and i also think that east asia correct me if i'm wrong like this is where i think when we're queer in cross-cultural missions (laughs) the conversation of colonialism becomes very extreme Mm -hmm. um yes because i i feel like whereas I, I mean, in Kiefer, I guess it's like less in Europe, right? I mean, yeah, more of it's like a little bit less, mm-hmm. more like a Europe American perspective being pushed on a European perspective or something like that. But even Europeans wouldn't look at me and say, "Oh, you're just trying to colonize us." Like, yeah. In general, they're like, you know, we actually colonized you. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so that's so, like, so, 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 the other way around. Not with Europe, <laughs> but I especially feel like with. Africa, Latin America, Mm -hmm. because whereas like with Latin America, it's this, the LGBT conversation is being pushed on us from North America. I feel like with East Asia, from what I've heard from people, there's almost a revival of pre-colonial culture, which did allow for Mm -hmm. spectrums outside of gender binary, did allow for ways mm-hmm. of com- culture like outside of like opposite sex relationships in some way, like different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that they, I mean, in a sense, like indigenous North American communities with two spirit, you know, identities and these kinds of things, this reawakening of this idea of actually the oppression come can come from the opposite side, but then um, of like the, traditional sexual ethic being part of colonialism in that way. So it's very interesting Mm -hmm. to see how in the different cultures the conversation around LGBT people and colonialism gets very enmeshed in different ways. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And especially in I would say in Asia, like it's not even just like aspects of like cultural colonialism, I guess would be a way to put it. It's anything anything coming from the west is seen as harmful negative because i don't know it almost feels like it's such a dichotomy between the two because they're so vastly different in a lot of ways um and a, a big a big point that is focused on is preserving um traditional like asian values which a lot of that is tied up in religion and um 
like local traditions and practices. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's one of the big reasons why Christianity um, is, is such an outlawed religion because it's seen as the white man's religion. Yeah. Um, and currently um, a majority of the top 50 most dangerous nations to be a Christian are located in East Asia, um, parts of the Middle East, and then yeah. Africa. Those are the top three regions where it's the most dangerous to be a Christian yeah. um, because all of that's tied up in colonialism, Christianity being seen as a white man's religion, and then anything like tied around that, even if it's not even like Christian, yeah. if it's coming from the West, they don't want it. They don't want to talk about it. Um, they're gonna they're gonna put things like on the global news that makes them look like they're, I guess I don't know, improving or or doing things to be seen as like progressive to on a global scale. But then internally, it's just the same old that they've been doing, if not going the opposite direction of like reinforcing stereotypes that they are that the media is putting yeah. out in regards to anything yeah. Western. We could sit here and talk about this forever, but I know we're kind of getting on the longer side of stuff. So <laughs> I want us to move into talking about, there are definitely people here listening. I mean, obviously they voted for this topic for us to talk about this topic. So um, there are definitely people planning to go into missions. Um, so I'd be people planning to get into this. Um, who might already be in missions, trying to figure out how to have these conversations with their organization, how to navigate being in their culture. Um, what what are some things that have stood out from y'all's experiences? Um, even Jesse, as you've as you've been going through this process of prepara- preparing to like go about it, like um, what are some things that have stood out? Because I've I've talked with people that have even gone, is it even possible? to be like gay in a missions context, like between isolation, between dealing with different culture, between dealing with a homophobic organization. Like there's so many factors that can stand in the way. Uh, yeah. What are, what, what are y'all's thoughts? Kiefer, you want to start us off again? Sure. Um, at least to me, the most important thing has always been being really upfront. Mm. <laughs> and even when that's backfired, that there have been times that backfired, but being able to say, here's where I'm at. And I'm just going to tell you ahead of time. Like, I don't want to get into a situation where it's going to have to be brought up later on. Like, here's, you know, where I'm at. Here's probably where I'm going, etc. Um, and then secondly, choosing, I think the most important thing is choosing to be vulnerable rather, rather than fight doing fight or flight (laughs) yeah so when someone asks a question that is either offensive or hard to answer or you're just like okay like like understanding okay this person might not be coming from a context where they even know how to talk about this yeah um Mm -hmm. and i'm gonna let myself be vulnerable here and when you let yourself be vulnerable you are saying like you can hurt me you know (laughs) you're leaving yourself open to hurt um but at the same time um choosing fight or flight almost always burns bridges yeah. Um, and so th- those two things together, but then also knowing when it's time to say like, this is an unhealthy, mm. like this is actually not going to be a productive or healthy relationship. I don't have to be like, I can love everyone in my organization. I lo- love all the love fellow believers, but I don't have to be like working closely with this person Yeah. who I don't necessarily <laughs> jive with. <laughs> yeah. 
Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. I think that's really important, be- and and like th- that's why I have mad respect for you the way you approach with the organization. Like I'm gonna say the most abrasive way, that way, because <laughs> we can many times go the opposite way of going. I'm gonna make this as palatable as possible, and then we'll definitely a temptation. It is <laughs> being liked is always. I think been. it also depends on the situation. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Not necessarily make it as palatable as possible, but communicate what you need to say. In a way that's not going to be such, uh, this is going to sound bad, but like an assault on the way they see the world Mm -hmm. or their understanding Mm -hmm. of the terms you're going to use. Because if it's that much of a shock to their system, you might not get where you want to go. Yeah. Yeah. So depending on the situation, you're going to know them as like, if going this abrasive route is going to be the best for me, that means I'm going to be able to get a clear answer from them without there being a bad situation for me or a dangerous situation for example and being yeah. abrasive in, in a fact, vulnerable way do that. yeah mm-hmm. like not yes. being abrasive in a way that's mm-hmm. like hey like you you are the problem like hey i'm gonna <laughs> oh no definitely not never do you that. know openly <laughs> say this is where i am at this is about me yes this is what i, I want you to know about me mm-hmm. um it's not about your reaction does not come into bearing here <laughs> but i want you to know this mm-hmm. you know? yeah um yeah 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 no i think that's really important i, I think another thing that stood out to me um, that I was just thinking about is I've talked to a few people like it's one thing if you already find yourself on the mission field and that like we've talked a lot about the fact that there are it is okay to be processing what are your beliefs on sexual ethics that is a process there is no timeline on figuring out beliefs there's also no timeline on figuring out your identity like these are things that yes. people need to take time and many times you might start that process while on the the um, mission field. The mission field. But I have talked to a few people who are like, I don't know what I believe on sexual ethics. I don't know what I believe about being in a relationship. I'm going to go into missions and then figure it out. And I'm always with those people go, don't do that. Don't do no. that. And I, Yeah, like if you're going into that with that mentality, like mm-hmm. I'll figure it out on the way. It's like. Okay, you you do that. You're in for a wild ride. Let wild me tell ride. You. I don't think you know what you're. Well, because if you're also not sure if you want to be in a gay relationship, you might be going to a country where that's not going to be possible, or that exactly. There, you also might not be with a good organization in that, and a good you might not have support to figure it out. And then the other thing is, it's not like a job where you're sitting in your same state, you know, or your homeland. Like you're moving your life, and if you end up mm-hmm. coming to a different conclusion you're moving back all over again. Like that's a lot. So I've, I've, I've encouraged people. I'm like, I'm all for like, there's no rush on if you have doubts, if you have things you're working through, take the time, but maybe do that. Not on the mission field. If you can help it because there's already enough stuff working against you Mm -hmm. that it's okay to take that time here. (laughs) And that's, that's actually a big reason why I am not on the field yet. Uh, that's not the only reason. Uh, another big reason is I want to do counseling as missions. Mm-hmm. And so I have to get my licensure first yeah. before yeah. I go on the field. Right. But I think in tandem with that, a thing that I wasn't prepared for <laughs> until it started happening is I, I didn't realize how much I was going to actually need to be working through my sexuality and some of my own like beliefs and even just ways of talking mm-hmm. about it. Um, until I started working through that process. And then I was like, wow, I'm really glad I'm not having to do this on the field because mm-hmm. it's so easy to do that 
here in a space that is safe, um, where I can build good community and good support prior to me leaving. Um, and also just knowing that like, again, it's not a rush. Like I can, I can still be doing missions work here as much as I can on the field overseas. Yeah, um, definitely. And so like, I'm, I'm really grateful that the Lord has really like slowed and halted some of that process for me um, because it's given me the chance to work through a lot of those questions and doubts and uh, misunderstandings here yeah. in the States where it doesn't really impact my life in a significant way where it would if I was doing that in Southeast Asia. Yeah, yeah. And part of, I think another part of the process thing is too, that people need to go through. Cause like we said, you're going, you don't, you're going across cultural missions. You don't know what your context is going to be there. Cause you may very well have to be closeted to a certain extent mm -hmm. in that country. Yeah. It's, it's important to like realize like how, how out do I need to be? What does that yeah. mean for me to even be out? Are we talking about the way I talk about things? Um, are we talking about um, the way I present myself and are we talking about the way I dress like how important are those things to me and can I put that stuff on the back burner for what I feel that I'm called to do yeah. um, mm -hmm. am, am I willing to play the part over there and if that's the case you are that's like yeah I can do that you definitely still need to I, I feel you need in your missions organization have people that know where you are though so it's like outside of the house or you know like in the street or you know out there i have to be this thing to an extent a certain amount of fake i need some people that i can still be real with here on the inside of my yeah. organization that are yes. my community mm -hmm. that are my support system and so kind of depending on your context is going to depend on what that looks like and you like i said figuring that out on the field is is a lot. a lot yeah mm -hmm. and i think conversely with that like the people who are going as missionaries who are gay like their story like if you're in a country where you can share your story obviously your stories matter mm -hmm. <laughs> um yeah. i would not have been able to get to where i'm at without other missionaries who are on the field who actually we were able to talk through our mutual stories um mm. Of like oh we're both actually you know at the time go, i was using same-sex attracted we're both same-sex attracted how, how did you know we got connected somehow and yeah. i haven't shared with that many people but let's you know um mm -hmm. yeah like your stories matter to the broader culture every culture needs forerunners who will be ahead, you know in, in the in the front yeah yeah um even honor shame cultures like being able to say hey like this is who i am i'm not ashamed i've been accepted into the body of christ and i know i'm part of the family mm -hmm. of god and like that's the gospel for an honor shame culture is I'm part of God's yeah. family. I don't have to be influenced by this anymore. Yeah, and that's crazy to an honor shame culture. And there's an appropriate way to bring that up. So don't just like, you know, flaunt everything because yeah. you'll probably get killed um, or something. <laughs> but like, you know, at the same time, there is an appropriate time to share your story, and you know, mm -hmm. trust the Lord for that. Yeah, absolutely. That mm -hmm. one. Yeah, I think that's just so. It, it's just. It, it, it takes intentionality, I think, in so mm -hmm. much. It takes being... It does. It, it yes. takes being... Because you... I feel like with cross-cultural missions, you're declaring a new home. Like, you know, um, yeah. you're attaching part of yourself to a new culture. Like, I know that was a sad part for me coming back to the States because I love Colombia, but I realized just it was, mm -hmm. I, it was not sustainable for me long term. 
there's a, strate there's a strategic component of like, let me think through what I'm going to do and make my actions actually count for something. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, before we move on to our last question, anything else that stands out there on things you think would be important? Um, I think I want to say something that I've always thought is important, even as like when I first started thinking about like prospects and my sexuality, like I said, I did do it on the field yeah. and it was a whole process. I did it a lot. You know, it's like you guys taught me how to study and investigate and interpret the word. And that's what I'm going to mm -hmm. do. And that's what I did. Yeah. And, but I feel like if only missions organizations understood what a valuable asset absolutely side B community can be mm. Mm -hmm. because what does Paul say that when you're married, you have to give this extra effort to your spouse, to your children, yes. to all these things. But when you are single, you have so much extra to give to the Lord in a sense and a lot of missions organizations, at the very least the ones I saw in South America, I don't know how the rest are around the world, they really like to be like also family-centered and everything. Yeah. But the way YWAM works is a lot of people, we all live together in like either the same base or the same house. And it's very community-based. And I loved that. Yeah. I absolutely love that. And I feel like that's something that would be important and life-giving to a celibate side B person mm -hmm. to be able to live in a home with lots of other people that's mixed with single people and married couples and children and be in this family environment when they feel called to, you know, singleness because mm -hmm. of this, that, or the other thing that it's like you're, you as a person are such an asset to the mission field and the mission field can even be life-giving and an asset for you as a person yeah. that it's such this great collaboration that I think that the mission field is missing out on because they can't see the forest for the trees, yeah. that they're mm -hmm. always worried about how this is going to be maybe harmful for their organization to have someone like this, that they don't realize how much of an asset this person really could be for them. Mm. And I wish missions organizations knew that. And I hope that yes. everyone who's listening to this and thinking about missions, I hope you do know that, that you are valuable mm. yes. as someone who can work in, be it local missions, foreign missions, wherever you want to be, because you as a person have so much to give. Mm -hmm. mm. You're an important part of the family of God. <laughs> yes. 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 Yeah. You're needed. <laughs> You're not just something yes. to would... be tolerated. You know, like which yes. some yes. organizations yes. can make it out to be. Go ahead, Jesse. Mm. Yes. I was also going to say on on the other side of things, like when you're preparing to go on mission, um, like we we need community on the field, but we also need a community of support on this in the states too, or in your yes. country of origin, wherever you're mm -hmm. going from. Um, and uh, one of the most life-giving things I've been able to experience as I've been preparing is I've had a plethora of people that I've encountered at my school, through my new church, um, in my work environment even of non-Christians where I've shared with them like what, what the Lord's put on my heart and what I feel called to do. And I have so many people who um, have said, I want to, in some way, shape, or form, support you and be with you in this journey, in this process. Mm -hmm. 
and a lot of that kind of goes back to like my my decision especially um, as I've got more comfortable with myself and with my story and my sexuality of just being unapologetic about who I am and saying like this is who I am take it or leave it and doing that in a way that was not not being like defensively abrasive mm-hmm. but doing it in a way where I I really wanted to show people like this is this is what it looks like to be um, to be a side B Christian, um, yeah. and a side B Christian who wants to do missions and is passionate about setting aside even some of my own comforts that I could have as a side B individual yeah. for mm-hmm. the sake of missions. Yeah. Um, and that's been that's been such a life giving experience. And I know that like even even in my moments when I'm on the field where I am almost certainly going to experience loneliness and difficulty and heartbreak and intense hardship. Um, I have a God who loves and cares about me and values me as his child. And I have a community of support in the States and in my organization that loves me and values me as one of their own. That's great. Uh, all right. Well, we could keep talking again about this for hours. We will close out, (laughs) um, by asking the one question that we're asking everyone to finish off this season. Um, so, um, Kiefer and Jesse, uh, if you could send a message to your younger self, you pick the age, what message would it be? And also what age would you pick? Like what age would you send yourself if you have a specific age? Okay. I guess I'd go back to 15 probably. Um, that was when I was, things were really culminating in a hard way for me. And just to say, like, um, it's worth it to keep following Jesus, to keep going after Jesus, to keep giving him everything. <laughs> um, the thing that really helped me later on was realizing I really can't hold anything back. So if I could tell myself, like, don't hold anything back from Jesus and just go after him with everything, like, that would be my biggest message to myself. Ah, that's awesome. Jesse? <sighs> okay, so for me... It was when I was 12 um, that to to this date is the hardest year I've experienced in my life. Um, it was also a culmination of a lot of stuff. My, my dad was on deployment to Afghanistan. I was working through sexuality and gender stuff, um, community and familial stress that was happening. Um, I met my abuser that year as well um and it was really rough and i think the message that i would say to myself at that point is um you are about to be in the midst of the hardest year of your life and gosh sorry <laughs> um and you're not gonna know what to do and you're not going to have anyone. It's not. It's going to feel like you have no one around who wants to help you or care for you. Um, but the Lord is there with you. He is sitting with you in that pain. Um, he is with you every step of the way. And he will keep you grounded in your faith. Um, and you will have community and love and support like you've never known at the end of that. Mm. So that's what I would say. Thanks for sharing that, both of you. 
Thanks for taking this time, quite a bit of time. This is a longer running episode than we normally do, but we've enjoyed it. It's been great. Um, yeah, I hope this is helpful to everyone listening. If you're considering going into missions, if you are in missions, um, we would love to hear from you, like what your experience was. Um, if you are a patron, share with us in the Discord server. We'd love to hear. Um, share, talk to us on Twitter. Um, you can send us a message. Love to hear about your thoughts as you're processing going into missions or whether you are already in missions. Um, thanks. Or hey, even send this if like you have an organization that's like open to hearing things. Send this to them. Be like, hey, this is what it's like. Exactly. Listen to this. Yes. Thank yes. you. It yes. might be eye-opening for some of the Please. straight board directors. Because I promise you in every missions organization, <laughs> we are there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. We're there, buddy. We're there. We are there. <laughs> it's just a matter of whether we feel comfortable Great. telling you. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's totally it. Mm-hmm. Um, Kiefer, Jesse, thank you so much for joining us, y'all. This was really good. Thank you. Um, thank you, guys. It's been this has yeah, been one this. Ashley, you and I have talked a bit about for a while doing. For a while, yeah, yeah. So we finally got it on here. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening, and we will talk to you soon. Bye, everyone. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.